For the Canadian Society of Physician Leaders, I'm Pat Rich, and this is Leading the Way, the podcast for and about physician leaders. On today's show, your host, Dr. Johnny Van Arda, Executive Medical Director of CSPL, talks with Dr. Susan Shaw. Susan has been the Chief Medical Officer of the Saskatchewan Health Authority for almost five years. She is also a critical care physician and respected national expert on quality care issues. Over to you, Johnny. Thanks very much, Pat, and welcome, Susan. Hi, Johnny. I'm looking forward to our conversation. We've known each other for a couple of years, and, and you've been a leader in healthcare really since you were a medical student. And now, after all these years, you are the medical lead for an entire provincial healthcare system. An opening question would be, how did your leadership journal evolve? And, and given that you started as a medical student, do, do you think you had innate leadership qualities or, or did you learn them over time? I, I think it's a bit of both. Looking back, I can definitely see that there's something about who I am as a person that made me curious and interested in leadership even back in high school. So I think there is something innate about how I was built or how I was raised. Uh, but I also know that I've been really fortunate because I was given opportunities or opportunities presented themselves that allowed me to test out being a leader at an early point in my career. I was fortunate to be in a medical school where I was surrounded and supported by leaders I admire. They made it safe to try. I was encouraged. I was nudged. Sometimes I was pushed uh, out of my comfort zone, which I think is something that in, looking back, I'm very grateful for. I had great role models, access to mentors. And I think also looking back, I can see how I really benefited from, from both those informal leadership development, but also taking advantage of some formal training that, again, became accessible at key points in my time. Over the last two years, you've experienced a deep trauma of dealing directly with, with the deaths of patients with COVID in the ICU. And at the same time, as a physician leader, you also had to cope with the pressures and the frustrations of being the chief medical officer. How did you cope with these different types of stress? I would say the past two plus years have been my hardest two years of my career, whether it's working in the ICU or whether it's been as my work as the CMO, providing leadership and support to our health system's pandemic response. I will say some colleagues have actually questioned throughout the past two years whether it was wise that I stay in both roles, considering the circumstances. But I think it's actually the fact that I was able to stay in both roles and hold those responsibilities that actually help keep me whole as a person. Working at the bedside is what I most love. You're surrounded by people who all want to be the best and do the best for the person in need. It holds great responsibility. You're a team leader. You are connected to your personal and professional values. You get to practice and maintain compassion it gives you such a deep understanding of the real challenges that patients and their families are experiencing, but also really understanding the impact on colleagues, frontline staff, volunteers, our learners, everybody that was impacted by uh, how the delivery of healthcare changed within the pandemic. I also know it gave me credibility that I could bring with me. Uh, I either had credibility at the bedside or I had credibility that I could carry uh, with me into the other parts of my work. 
there's really nothing like sitting in the emergency room or on the wards or being in the ICU at four in the morning, having that one-on-one conversation with a colleague or with a family member or a patient to truly understand the impact of the pandemic and also the importance of the work aiming to try to lead the system and provide guidance and support. So I think they're actually quite complementary. Being an ICU physician also, it's quite immediate. Um, You are making decisions in the moment with pretty quick feedback on whether you're making a difference and then course correcting. And that's very satisfying to an ICU physician. And it's something that I think uh, many physicians can relate to. Being a leader is a bit more abstract and the impact of your decisions happen over time and they happen often through others. So I think the balance of knowing you're making a difference in the moment, but also having influence over time as a leader is quite complementary. And it did help me I think stay whole, though at times it was very, very difficult. It really emphasized, I think, for me, the importance of not just as a physician, but as a physician leader, building self-care strategies into my daily routines. A lot of routine was disrupted uh, by the impact of the pandemic, and it was really important for me to figure out how to recreate routine. And I I used a variety of tools and approaches to that. And it also taught me that we really need to make sure all physicians in our province are reminded of or reconnected to the resources and supports, the information, the tools. And I think most importantly, the permission to talk about how am I doing? And it's okay to talk about not being okay. And then the final thing I think that helped me uh, stay in balance uh, is that I'm really lucky. I have an amazing family. I have a great circle of friends uh, and colleagues. Uh, We were working on a really good team that supported and looked out for one another. And I know I'm fortunate. I I didn't have to worry about economic stability throughout the pandemic. And it's building in that practice of reflection and gratitude that I think has really helped me the most make it through and, and hopefully still be that whole person that I aim to be. As a physician leader, you still are who you are and have to live up to your values, be authentic. And so the question is, how difficult is it as a physician CMO to live up to your values as physician intensivist on one hand, but then as physician leader, how do you balance these different values? Well, I actually see a lot of alignment between the values that I have as a person, as a physician, and as an executive leader. And I think the last two plus years has really forced me to examine what I believe to be true and what I truly do value. And that there is alignment. I I would struggle to hold a different set of values based on context or who I am. I I don't think I can split that. But for me, there has to be an alignment. And I think the last two years has really helped me explore and understand what my values are, what it means to live by my values. But it's also helped me understand what is my role, what is within my control, where and how I can have influence, where decisions lie. And I'm not saying I haven't been tested. I, I think, again, I think this is the biggest test probably for many of our physicians and physician leaders where we've been tested on our on our values. But I think it's through that deeper exploration that you actually get a met much, much clearer understanding of what you believe to be right. When I think about it as my work as an ICU doctor, my job there is to be a team leader. It's to try to make sense of multiple viewpoints, multiple expert opinions, uh, to guide people through shared decision making, provide advice, provide support, provide expertise. 
But really, I think ultimately it's the patient and their family that guide that final decision and, and hold. You know, it has to be consistent with what's ma- what matters to them and, and what, what they prioritize. And I think what I learned in the last two plus years is the same is true in our role as leaders, whether in the boardroom or in a briefing room. It's actually quite similar. Provide advice, provide options that make sense based on evidence, identify risks, try to anticipate, <laughs> provide advice and support, and then influence in an ethical way how the final decisions are made. At the end of the day, leadership is influence. And I, I believe in, in today's environment, influencing the sociopolitical environment is a skill that we all need to have, particularly as physician leaders. I think you're absolutely right, Johnny. I think, you know, if you look back and we were talking earlier about leadership journey starting early on in career, I certainly, I think early on, had the impression that leadership was making decisions or having the final say or holding the power And it was actually through my journey becoming a physician dyad partner, where it's actually co-leadership, that you understand that it's actually through influence and building coalitions and understanding how and when to make moves that, that you can actually have way more influence and actually decision and power and Absolutely, there's authority and you need to be able to make those decisions when you need to. But most of the work is not making decisions, it's facilitating others to be effective. And and, and that's what leadership truly is. Talking about coalitions, diets and influence, it's almost five years ago that Saskatchewan provincialized and made huge changes. It was December 2017 when Saskatchewan embedded physician engagement and leadership into the provincial governance structure for the healthcare system. And then the pandemic hit. And in the last two years, that crisis perhaps put that initiative to the test. What have you learned in the last few years as physician leader as it relates to these governance changes? I think the last two years absolutely confirms and validates the importance and the absolute, I think a necessity that physicians are co-leading the, the healthcare system. That means that we need to have the skills and we need to have the behaviors that, that fit into the leadership structures and models. But I don't think we would have had the successes that we did have and that we continue to have if we did not have physicians as partners leading at every step of the pandemic effort. So for me, it's been very validating. It also showed me that there are so many more physicians willing and wanting to be part of a collective response and to have input and to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And so many new physicians as leaders became visible. And we now have a larger community of physicians that are leaders in our province, which I think is a huge step forward. When we talk about provincialization, regionalization, Alberta has been in that game for 25 years. Saskatchewan did it about five years ago. And so we're starting to see some of the pros and and cons. For example, during the first year of the pandemic, we saw some of the advantages of regionalization and centralization in healthcare. And then came the second year and and now the the third year. And and we're losing some of those benefits because we're falling back to the old centralized 
structures where we lose the flexibility that usually comes with innovation that's needed uh, in, a, in a crisis. Do you think the Canadian health system in general, if we, if we kind of go high up, do you think they have become over-centralized? And what room might there be to decentralize some elements again? I think if we can stay on the same path, which is provincially supported, locally led and delivered, emphasizing standardization, aiming for, you know, patient outcome and experience, applying an equity lens, customizations based on local community and population need or patient need, not not provider preference. I think we can maintain the benefits of a centralized or a regionalized or an integrated health system like we, we do see as the current trend in Canada. Moving into an emergency command center approach, which is what happened not just in Saskatchewan, but across the country, uh, because we're in a crisis and it's a prolonged crisis. So I think that normally you're in an EOC command and control type approach for a short period of time. I think that we have to think a lot about the behaviors that we've coached and, and actually made people practice is that someone from above or someone from afar will come in and tell you how we're going to manage through this, which has been some of how you need to lead through a crisis. However, that's not how good leadership happens. We've really tried hard and I really tried hard to find that balance of both. Build your local teams so that they have the ability to locally lead while supporting them with provincial wraparound supports. But the last two and a half years of being in command and control for some aspects of healthcare, I think has had an impact on how people feel that they're able to actually influence their local care delivery system. So maybe that's the tension or the polarity that we need to work through. And, and, and as, as an, those are the conversations I'm having or I'm trying to spark questions in others is like, okay, now that we've had two years of working in this mode, how do we go back to uh, and ensure that how we want to lead is the way we need to lead? So Susan, one of the, the big leadership roles you did was you came out of the world of quality improvement and, and you were the lead for a long time of the Saskatchewan Health Quality Council. So do you think that the commitment of Canada's health system to quality of care has suffered as a result of the pandemic, or as some of us call it, the syndemic? And, and if so, do you believe that it will recover? I think our entire healthcare system, our entire society has been tested in ways that perhaps were never fully imagined. And I don't know that the, com I don't think the commitment has suffered. I think the ability has, has suffered. I think the distress that many are feeling within our healthcare system or within our society is because we, the people who actually are and make up the system, are concerned. We know the current state isn't what we wanted or needed to be. But also from where I sit, I think there's way more interest and concern that I've ever experienced combined with expectations being appropriately high for what the healthcare system needs to be. So I have to believe the system will recover. But I also think that for that to happen, there has to be a discussion at every level of our countries about what do we really need and want our healthcare system to be. I think we need to talk about the absolute need to build and set long-term strategies that go beyond a budget cycle or an election cycle. As a last question, what final message would you like to share with physician leaders across Canada today? Oh, you are absolutely needed. Physician leadership is a keystone, I think, to health system transformation. It's really hard. It can be really worth it. 
Physician leadership is practicing medicine at scale, and it's allowing you to bring your full self, all your clinical knowledge, all the curiosity that physicians have, that continuing journey of always being a, a learner and always being a leader just to that next level. Um, it may not be for everybody, but if you're interested, test it out. Say yes if somebody asks you to try something. That's how it started for me. And while, yeah, it's been, it has been really hard, but I think it's made me a better physician. And go for it. Susan, on behalf of the CSPL and myself, thank you so much for, for all your great work and today for making the time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome, Johnny. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation. All right, Pat, over to you in Ottawa. Thanks, Johnny. And thanks, Susan. That's our show for today. We hope you're finding these podcasts entertaining and informative. Please continue to subscribe to them through your favorite podcast platform or access them via the CSPL website at physicianleaders.ca. Until next time.